Welcome to the Como Factor podcast, where the conversations are authentic, the stories are inspirational, and people-centric transformation is always on the agenda. I'm your host, Christine Strobush. And I'm Sonal Trevetti. Honora Grimaldo is currently the executive director of After 8 to Educate, an organization that provides wraparound services to the homeless and community youth in Dallas. Prior to that, she was the education outreach manager at Momentus Institute, where she managed the scholarship mentor and moving to middle school program. She has worked in the nonprofit sector for close to 15 years. Ara has a bachelor's degree in international studies, commerce track, and Spanish concentration from Texas A&M University. And she holds a master's degree in social work from Texas A&M University Commerce. Her passion is serving those in need, especially in the higher education space. As a first-generation college graduate, she knows firsthand how important it is to pursue and attain higher education. In her free time, she enjoys spending time with her husband and three daughters. She also enjoys visiting her parents' home, where they treat her to authentic Mexican food. She is a lifelong education advocate and looks forward to continuing serving our youth. Ara, welcome to the Como Factor podcast. We are so excited to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited for the for just being here and sharing some of my thoughts. Some. Well, listen, we love to start off our our interviews to start to learn a little more about you. We would like to know, Ara, if your life story were to be published in a book, what would the book title be? And maybe what would the book cover say? Good, good question. You're making me think. Let's see. I would say resilient. Life's, Ara, life stories of uh, resilience. Resilience. I, I can... I can feel that. And I'm guessing there's a, there's a story there. Right. Um, I'm, I'm thinking just back from my childhood. Um, I'm, I'm a daughter of immigrant parents from Mexico. They came here in the eighties. And, um, one of the jobs my mother had was of uh, cleaning houses. She was a housekeeper. And, um, I remember vividly just going to these homes. They were beautiful homes. And, um, you know, I just always thought like one day I want, I want to have a beautiful home myself. And I remember my mother telling me, well, Mihai, as long as you, you work hard, go to college and, and, you know, you live in America, you, your dreams can come true um, with resilience and hard work and grit. And so that stuck with me. And, and I've used that as kind of like my guiding tool outside of my faith, um, my parents' um, motivation and just desire for us to be successful through education. That's beautiful. Now, what um, what drove your parents to immigrate here? So my parents are they both uh, grew up in poverty in Mexico. Um, my mother was one of the eldest. And so she had younger siblings. And actually, she um, was in college at, in Mexico and, and dropped out just because of lack of resources. So she came here, picked crops, cleaned homes, did everything. And and she actually now, um, she went back to school, got her GED and always wanted to, to teach in the school system. And she's doing that now, now that we're all adults and, and out of the house. So she's definitely a guiding force and a, and a role model for me that, that, you know, there's no, 
no obstacles that can't be overseen and, and, and your dreams can come true and goals. Wow. Your mother, your mother sounds to be a very, very wise person. She is. She is. She definitely still. So, I mean, my motivator, like I said, she, you know, she in her fifties went back um, and made sure she, she accomplished. And she's like, I still want to keep going. And, and she's working with special ed kids and, and helping them. And so she's now with, I have three daughters of my own. So anytime she can help out and just outstanding human being. Oh, what a beautiful, what a beautiful story. And um, so your mother and father, were they married when they immigrated together or did they meet here? Or ha- what's, what's the story there? Yeah. So they actually met here in Dallas um, and uh, in the eighties and they're still together. So um, just, yeah, they, they've been married now for gosh, maybe 37 years. Um Definitely just just great to see them always, you know, just doing life together and, and pushing us to to do better. And they've worked hard, hard jobs. And um, my siblings and I just we've had, thankfully, a better life because of their hard work and, and just instilling in us good values and, and just being good stewards of, of what blessings God gives us. Mm. That is quite a, that is quite a story. And, uh, you know, mothers, we, we know we, we pour into our children and you, you want to believe that you can give that a better life to your children. And in this case, you can see that that your parents have, um, have definitely accomplished that in spades. So as we dial back and you tell us the story about going with your mom, so you used to help your mom, uh, clean houses, um, did you have any any moments during that where you dreamed of something bigger, something more? Right. Yeah. So I was I started I mean, she did it for a few years. Um, she she, you know, I think in, and it was just, you know, maybe twice or three times a week. And that was just to have extra income for for the family and help my 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 dad. Um, but I, I just remember one once house that there was a a girl that was about my age and just me thinking man like this this home is beautiful going to her bedroom and she had her own restroom I mean it was just such it was beautiful and just me thinking like I I you know I desire that how can I make that happen for us and and change that trajectory and and always you know my mom said with hard work and I saw my mom doing the hard work and and just always you know Miha just keep going and 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 just and even some of the people that she cleaned houses for, they they would mentor me and, and you know, and share that and just say, kind of provide a pipeline of what does it look like to to leave poverty and, and definitely reach your dreams. Because my parents didn't know how the education system worked in America, but thankfully I've had people, mentors, you know, just a lot of human beings that have poured into me. And so that's kind of what leads to where I, I decided to do nonprofit. Yeah. That that's so powerful. And if we if we dive in, I mean, mentoring and we love to talk about, uh, you know, mentoring and coaching here on the show, because it's it's a way for for each of us to be able to pay it forward in some way. So if we think about maybe, you know, one of the mentors that that had a big impact on your life, what would you say was was some of the best advice that that you received as you were really going through this personal transformation from the life you grew up in to achieve the life that you wanted right um 
I'm thinking back just to our our middle school um, English teacher, Mr. Butler. Um, he truly believed in all his youth. Um, and, and he saw something in me that he said, Ara, you're going places, you know, just, just always made sure to, to be a champion and also just you know, vocalizing that, sharing that and saying, Hey, life's hard, but again, you know, there's people that will help you just, just keep going. And I think, um, you know, they say like having a personal board of directors and I had that at such a young age now that I can reflect on it. And, um, he really just did that. Just, I had my parents who said you're going, but they didn't really know how to navigate the system. But, you know, so it's like, I've had like a community of village who's definitely just, just mentored and, and, and helped guide to where I'm at now. Wow. And so you, you get these teachers. I, I love that. Like at a young age, you have a personal board of directors, folks. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, so, so what was it like when you went through that process and you, you step into your first classroom on your first day of university? Um, I'll be very honest. It was imposter syndrome. So, um, undergrad, I went to A&M and college station and, um, I'm Latina and there were still not many people that looked like me. So, it was difficult at first, um, just navigating a new space. I hadn't been away from my parents for that long, three hours away. I mean, it was just a lot of culture shock, just, just a lot of different things. You know, I grew up very close to my family and no one left the proximity of, of their inner family. And so there was just a lot of change and I'm the first, and then I'm the only girl in the family. So there was just a lot of firsts that I had to go through. And so it, it was hard. Um, but now reflecting back, I was able now that I'm older, take on these challenging moments because I, I had to kind of, you know, be a chameleon and, and, and navigate through these first spaces a lot. And so now it's 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 definitely been a, a good thing and a good outcome going through that. Love it. So, you know, imposter syndrome is is absolutely real. And so many of us experience that at different phases in our life. So what advice would you give to someone if they're facing a similar situation of imposter, imposter syndrome, stepping into some new journey, whether it be education, professional, you know, what advice would you give based on your own experience? Right. I I think, um, you know, just going back to, to knowing that you, you belong. And I think, um, I've through the years, I've been, been able to like share that with people and just myself, like constantly remind myself, you know, despite what you look like or you being a female or whatever it is, um, I'm here for a reason. And, um, I applied, it wasn't like they just let me in. So it was a process. So mm-hmm. I deserved to be there. And so it was now my, my duty to make sure I stayed there and made sure that I, I made a difference and, and gave back. I just, so I think that's, that's, the goal is just remind yourself, like you belong, you, you, you know, you're, you're awesome. And just that, that kind of positive outlook on it, it, it'll be better next day. I love it. 
And, you know, you really are one of a kind and you're unique and you don't need to look or be or act like somebody else. You just need to be who you are and let your own light shine. And it sounds like even at a very young age, I think you you learn that. And I see you, you know, talking about resilience, you know, really managing that mindset, you know, through the doubt, you know, through the imposter syndrome to say no. I belong here and I'm going to make this happen. So was there, was there ever a time where, you know, you, you're, you're going through university where um, let's say you're, you're feeling more doubt, you're feeling distant from your family. How did you cope um, cope with that? Because like you said, you guys had a, a pretty close knit family. You're the first one going off to university. How did you manage that? Yeah. So, um, I, I lived for community. And so I, I joined two organizations that, um, kind of have also even shaped what I do now. So I joined a multicultural uh, sorority and most of them were Latinas first gen. And so they were very diverse backgrounds. You know, some of them were electrical engineers. I mean, one of them now works for NASA, my best friend also, she's, a uh, now working as a PA. So it was really inspiring to be able to connect with people that, that were going through similar situations and understood. And so I found community with them. And then I also joined alternative spring break. So during spring break, um, I went to, to, after the Katrina hurricane, we went and rebuilt houses. So I was very active with that. And so getting involved and get, and, and that also spearheaded, um, my, my love to, to serve my community. I was, uh, the development person at, at in the sorority. So our, our mission was breast cancer awareness and then obviously alternative spring break, doing something to give to others and, you know, not being about yourself was, was a, a great way for me to, to find community and, and, and move forward. And, and again, the whole resilience, just knowing that it, again, you can do this. Hmm. Love it. And, you know, you found community, but it sounds to me those were some early seeds to help you find that purpose. You know, yes, it's 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 interesting how life works. And, and it definitely was that I uh, interned through Exxon Mobil. They had a internship program. So I came back a summer of 08 and interned with the, the Dallas Furniture Bank. And I had no idea that I would make a career out of nonprofit. I didn't even know it existed because I was doing business at AM and that's what my bachelor's is in. Um, but I loved it. I, I, I just wanted to pour into it. And so all those experiences definitely shaped my desire to make sure I came back and, and gave back to, to the Dallas. Nice. Well, I think, um, you know, hopefully this has given our listeners an opportunity to really get get a better understanding of who you are. Clearly, very inspirational story that spans multiple generations. And uh, and you've accomplished a lot in a in a in a short life so far. You're still very you're still very young. So um, I'm wondering, I think this might be a good time to to pivot over and talk a little bit more about your career and profession and and really how you got to where you are today. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's I'm ready for it. So Ara, uh, we understand that you've been in the not-for-profit sector for pretty much your entire career. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that means and how you embarked on that? 
Yeah, sure thing. Um, so, so it all started at, uh, in 2008 when I came back and I'm in, and I interned through, through ExxonMobil. I was for the center for nonprofit management, um, through ExxonMobil. And, um, I was able to do site visits. So I got a very good understanding of all the nonprofits in Dallas, like CASA, DRC, just different ones. And my mentor, who is, I'm still in contact with her now, uh, she really just took me under her wing and, and, and showed me what the nonprofit sector was, what it looked like, everything from going to a board meeting to giving me the autonomy to run a, a, an event. So I, I collected cribs and got Parkland involved. So we did a, a crib distribution and talked about uh, SIDS. And so that was in 2008 and, and they're still some doing something similar. So, um, I did an annual report. It's a lot of firsts too. Um, I guess that's part of my life is first. Um, but her being able at such a young age to, to mentor me and, and just give me, you know, the, the, the autonomy to, to do that. And so after that, I graduated, I came back, um, started my, my nonprofit work with big brothers, big sisters. I did that for about six years while I was doing that. I also, um, got my master's in social work. And so I also interned part-time communities and schools. I always worked being first gen, you know, financially didn't have the means. So I've, I've always worked. Um, and so I was doing my master's working part uh, full time. Um, I'd go and do section eight houses visits. Um, I also taught GED courses to adult learners, um, in Spanish. So that was also a very neat experience. Then I, put, I transitioned from that. I uh, worked at Mothers Against Drunk Driving and grew the Hispanic outreach um, with that. Did that a few years. Then I worked at Momentus. That was the last place I was at. I ran their education and mentoring program. And then where I was at, I was approached about um, leading after to educate. And, and then I came on. And so it's it's been about a little over two years that I've been the ED here. That's incredible and so inspiring in terms of just your journey, you know, through the not-for-profit um, sector, especially given your humble beginnings. And I love the stories that you shared about, um, you know, your mother being a role model for you and really being part of that inspiration. Now, the not-for-profit industry is not always <laughs> glamorous and it's not always um, lucrative, like, you know, some of them, maybe the more traditional corporate roles. Um, and you mentioned, you know, part of when you were younger, you know, you had these big dreams about um, someday having your own beautiful home. Um, how did you find clarity? Um, was there a moment where, you know, it was conflicting in terms of really pursuing this path of giving back? Um, because I'm sure you've had to make a lot of sacrifices along the way, right? Choosing this industry of, of, of serving others um, versus really kind of going out <laughs> full-fledged uh, for maybe like the, the bigger, you know, um, corporate, traditional corporate roles that are maybe more lucrative. How did you find clarity in that? Right. A hundred percent. And it's, you know, I'm laughing because um, I, I went back to a reunion for the, for, for A&M and, and they asked me that they're like, are, are you still battling that? Because I really do like nice things, but you know, it's definitely not lucrative. I remember I graduated 2010, making $26,000. That was my salary. And all of my friends were coming out making 50. You know, <laughs> they're like, Aura, what's wrong with you? You have a college degree. And then, like you said, growing up, you know, low income, like what, what are you thinking? But 
I just followed my heart and I followed, um, you know, I'm faith-based and just, you know, I prayed about it. And, and honestly, like my parents didn't, we didn't grow up with a lot, but they always gave back. I mean, even now my, my dad, I mean, it's just, that was just rooted in us that you give back to your community, you give back, even, you know, make sure you're okay, but you, you make sure you give back and you, and you take care of your neighbor. And so, um, I'm trying not to get emotional just thinking about it because my parents, I mean, I, I saw it and, and just reflecting back now that I'm a parent and I have kids and just in this different new stage of my life, I'm like, how did they do this? Like, how do they navigate life? But still rooted in us to give back and make a difference, whether that was through your time, you know, talent or treasure. And so honestly, I think um, when I graduated A&M, I was excited. I, I got a job with Big Brothers and I was I was super thrilled. I said, 26,000. Yes, I'm getting paid to do good work. Why not? You know, it's just I, I've always just followed my heart. And um, and I think when you follow your heart, obviously, yes, you're making sacrifices and you know, I wish I would have making more money because then I could do other things, but I was just happy. And, and I've, and I've stuck with that. And, and I think, um, you know, now it's like it, all my hard work's paid off. Cause I know that when I interned through with Tina, that was my mentor and at ExxonMobil Dow's furniture bank, I told her, I said, I want to, I want people that look like me to know that they can make it despite what they face adversity challenges, where you grow up socioeconomic, you know, you, your goals can come true. And so, um, so yeah. Wow. There's so many things you just mentioned that I want to just dive right into. Um, I mean, both Christine and I have also come from very humble beginnings and I think, um, it's so admirable that, uh, you know, what you said about no matter what you had growing up, a big part of that was really giving back to others that maybe didn't even have, you know, as much and, and always having that mindset of, you know, sharing right with others at the end of the day, um, as you were going through some of, um, some of the experiences early on in your professional career, were there any moments where you, you felt like, uh, you know, um, challenged, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about your, your friends coming right out of university and, um, you know, having, um, having salaries that were almost double, um, when, when you were like faced with some of those challenges along with like reflecting yourself and listening to yourself, um, were there any other tools that, that you leaned on, um, to be able to, to navigate through that? Because I think people go through that even at different times in their career, right? Um, sometimes it could be that, uh, you know, and Christine and I've done this when we launched our company, the Calmo Group, right? We went from major enterprise uh, roles to starting entrepreneur life. <laughs> and it's basically your, you know, uh, in our case, it was a two woman show, but um, you're still doing everything, you know, from, from start to finish. And sometimes you really have to like pause and, and question like, you know, is it really worth it? Because this is so hard and this is so tough. Um, so what, what other tools did you use to help navigate and get that clarity and ownership um, of just sticking true to, to what your heart desired? Right. I think um, obviously first is God and just, you know, just always really just thanking him and just being, you know, prayerful. And and, and the second would be just a sounding board with my parents. Um, just 
them having their support and just saying like, you can get through this. And then also ultimately it was the clients that I worked with, the youth that I served and just seeing um, their, their, you know, what difference it was, the impact that my work had on them. And so I think that's, that's also it's a nonprofit where you, you, you have to figure out like, what's your niche, what, you know, what drives you. And that was definitely one of it. I mean, just, you know, big brothers with the youth and they would have a, a mentor, a big brother, a big sister. When I was doing work with Matt and just people knowing, you know, about substance abuse and how that impacts your brain. And so just all these different facets. And when I would talk to the, the people they reminded me of the why it was just, this is bigger than, than me. And it's, and that's why I'm here at this time on earth. It's, this is my purpose is that I'm supposed to, and just reminding me that, you know, remembering that, that, um, it's bigger than myself. It's, it's what I'm here for. And it's, it's my assignment at the moment. Love that. Love that. And again, it sounds like, you know, you've had a really, really meaningful mindset. Um, There had to be, though, other um, people or groups of people that you've probably impacted along the way. Can you talk about maybe one or two, you know, um, situations or scenarios where in your line of work, um, you know, you were really able to to impact obviously in a positive way that um, maybe stuck through with you or, um, you know, that particular individual or group, that situation that you go back and use as an anchor to remind yourself of, of your purpose. Right. So I'll, I'll start with the past and then, and then to the work that I'm doing now, but um, I had a young lady uh, reach out and and ask me for a recommendation. Um, she's applying for graduate school, also first gen Latina. And I'd given her, we were at um, Mothers Against Drunk Driving and she was volunteering with us and then she became an intern. So I, I was her supervisor. And one day, you know, she grew up in the same area I did and I gave her a ride home. Um, she didn't have transportation. And, and I had a conversation with her about just, you know, cause she was going through that moment of, um, uncertainty and just, you know, knowing what's next and just life just was happening. And I, and I talked to her, gave her some advice and gave her, you know, very candidly what I've gone through. And she, years later, I have no idea how she got my email this year. She reached out and said that conversation like really changed what she was doing. And now she's, she has her bachelor's now she's, you know, applying for graduate school. I mean, it, and I never even fathom that, that conversation. And, you know, just, she said, just me seeing me, the impact it had on her. And so that's one of the stories I also, when I mentioned, I taught Spanish GD courses, I saw one of them and all my students were over 18. It was adults. So one of my students, he, he was an engineer in Mexico. And when he came over here, he had to start all over and he was in his mid fifties, and, um, he owned his own construction company, but he always had the desire to go back to school. So when I was teaching, he got his GED and now, um, and he, after I left teaching for, for that, you know, season of, of my life, um, he finished his associates and now he also has his bachelor's. I saw him just randomly one day at the store and, and Enrique and I, and I just was shocked. So that's one of another one. And now, you know, I can just go to the, you know, next door where in our drop-in and there's a lot of whys and, you know, every day it's for them. But one of the youth that we came was, um, hadn't been to the, to school or 
to, to, to the dentist in, uh, in years since the first grade. Um, and so he was in a lot of pain. So we were able to take him and he got, you know, dental work and he, he celebrated his 18th birthday here with us. Um, he couldn't wait to, to leave home and, and be an adult. And, and his best option was to come to the homeless youth center. So that tells me a lot. Um, there's so much need out here. And a lot of times people don't even have an idea. Um, and so those are, those are kind of the three that stand out right now. Well, they're also different and incredibly moving, you know, and I think you really remind us of the fact that there is no such thing as a small gesture or a small act, right? Um, because at the end of the day, we never know like what, what can truly motivate or move somebody. Um, it, it can be a small thing or it can be a big thing. And I just love the examples um, that you shared with us. So taking all of this to where you are today um, with After Eight to Educate, um, can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the, the lessons learned and how you've really integrated that into the current role that you've got um, to, again, make a difference. Um, and then I'd also like you to maybe share a little bit about some of us that, you know, maybe do have full-time careers, but still would, you know, look for ways to get involved in, in the community or to be able to give back in some way, shape or form. You know, how could we do that? Okay, great. Um, so experiences in that I've I've implemented and integrated here at Aftery um, throughout this time in the nonprofit world. Um, one of them would be collaboration. It's key. Um, I'm I'm you know I'm my mindset is I have a growth mindset. I think it's it's imperative to to pour into others, but work collectively. Um, you know, we, one person can make a difference, but together we can make a huge impact. And so that's kind of, you know, what we do here. And that's part of my leadership is that, you know, bringing in other people, we, we partner with different organizations and they'll come and teach us financial literacy. Um, they'll have counseling groups, resume building. So building that out for the youth, um, and bringing it here to them makes sense because, um, a lot of the homeless youth, uh, most of them use public transportation. So going from you know, building one and building two all across North Texas would take a long time. And so being able to build that out and, and come here and, and working with these key partners has been uh, essential and there's been growth with that. Another thing was also, um, you know, my staff, I, I treat everyone equally. They're all a team um, from the interns to the, you know, the custodian, everyone that I work with, I treat them the same way. And I think that also goes back from my beginning and, and seeing, you know, how I did that with my mom and, and every, every role matters. And so I think as a leader and this work, it's very important how you treat people. And I'm always reminded people will remember how you made them feel. Um, maybe not what you said, but the, those feelings they remember. And even with the youth, um, you know, my goal is for them to find hope here because it's, it's the drop in center. We may see them one time. We may never see them again. And they may be never experienced love or hope. And so everyone that I hire, any intern that I bring on, any partner, I make sure that the mindset is, is you know, on the same page that they think that and that they want to see these, these youth be successful. 
And to your second part of the question, as far as volunteering, um, you know, it's hard to manage, manage a full-time job and giving back, but it can be done. You know, I mentioned treasure, time or talent. Um, a lot of our board members or most of them, um, all of them, you know, have outside, um, you know, things that they're involved with, but, you know, giving back, whether it's doing a drive for an organization or, you know, if you're really good at graphics or just even something minimal as like sharing the social media page and getting awareness that way. There's just little things or even just talking about it. Like, Hey, have you heard about this organization and, or even raising awareness about the issue of the organization? For example, when people think of homelessness, a lot of times they think about adults, never do they think about youth. And mm. so raising awareness about that has, I think that's another, just, just being very intentional about, you know, just making a lot of time for that. Just, and, you know, just have a conversation. What's, what's going on, you know, what's going on and being aware, even, you know, maybe something within your own community, like how can you help at the HOA or there's just, a, it, it can be like carved in, or even as a mother, you know, like I mentioned, I have three daughters myself and they're all little, I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old and a soon-to-be two-year-old. Um, so they keep me busy, but even them, like I, I'm still giving back to my elementary school and we did, um, care packages for them. And so I had them help me with that. And so, you know, there's just different and, and it's bonding time for us, but then they're also from a young age, um, learning that it's important to give back. Absolutely. And those are all such fantastic ways for us to, to really get involved and, and give back. And I would say that, you know, just listening to you, um, this past hour, um, you know, a lot of times here at Como, we talk about holistic transformation, which means, you know, transforming both like from a personal perspective as well as a professional perspective. And somehow you've managed to integrate, you know, both of those. And um, that's that's really exceptional. So we commend you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and as we start to wind down a little bit, one of our favorite questions that we love to ask our uh, our guests is if you could think back to a younger version of yourself, perhaps 10 or 20 years ago, um, and just reflecting back, if there was any advice that you could have given, you know, that younger um, self, what what would that be and, and why? I would say... Um, ask, ask for help. I think, um, I've gotten better about it as I've gone older, but I, I was always timid or just scared. I don't, you know, and I just, not now I, as I meet with young people, I say, ask, like, there's so many people I had a group, a good group, but I just think back and say, you know, maybe this would have gone this way or, you know, different outcome had I just asked for help. And, um, and I think honestly, that's one of the biggest things and, and take more risks. I, I, again, I think it's also just my upbringing and being close and not wanting to leave. I think one of my regrets, and if I could go back, I would, would, would have been to do my graduate studies out of state and, and, um, done that. I did study abroad. I studied abroad in Buenos Aires, but I, I, I think, um, I take more risk and, you know, and, and, and it'll work out. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay to fail. I think sometimes too, you know, just being the first and doing all these things, I put all this pressure on myself where I had to think I was perfect. And so I would have failed more and I think it, it would have been okay. 
Great, great advice. And certainly, you know, as, as a mother, probably, I'm sure you're going to want to pass a lot of that on um, to your beautiful daughters as well. Love that. Any last um, pieces of advice for our listeners around the world? Oh, I would just say, you know, listen to the podcast. I, I, I look through some of the other ones you guys have, and it's just, it's, it's good to have just other people just hearing and, and everyone's experience is unique and you can learn from them. So I just thank you for, for this opportunity and, and, you know, creating that lasting, you know, impact because, you know, my girls can now listen to this and to the other podcasts you have. And so it's a ripple effect and you have no idea what impact you can't do until you do it. So, so thank you for, for you guys, you know, doing your business and now creating a space to bring other people along. That's, that's beautiful. Ah, we really, really appreciate that. And that means a lot coming from you. Um, If folks want to reach out uh, to you and connect with you, where can they find you? Right. So you can find me on my LinkedIn. Um, I usually, that's usually what I use the most. Um, And it's, it's my name. So it's A-R-A Grimaldo, G-R-I-M-A-L-D-O, Saintus, S-A-I-N-T-U-S. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for joining us. And we would say you definitely have the Como Factor. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Como Factor podcast today. We hope you got something out of our time together. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please follow us on social media, share it with your community and give us a like. That's all for today. And until next time, don't forget that you've got the Como Factor. Are you tired of trying to figure out how to build capabilities within your team and organization? At the Como Group, Our highly interactive and immersive role-based training programs are customized and designed to meet the challenges, needs, and strategic goals of your organization. Each of our training programs are custom developed for you to be people-centric and organization-specific while considering your unique challenges and needs. With the Como Group, your organization will have a distinct competitive advantage when your people's capabilities are fully maximized. Connect with us at connect at thecomofactor.com to discover how we can bring innovative people-centric training solutions that build capabilities in areas like change management, project management, leadership, and more to address your company's challenges.